Welcome to the Heartbeat for Hire podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Dowd. In my 25 years of sales experience, I've managed some of the most prestigious accounts in the world, negotiated multi-million dollar deals without sacrificing relationships, and built successful sales organizations where folks were knocking down the door to be a part of the rich, fun culture we created. My goal is to help train leaders and sales organizations how to manage and deliver results with empathy, compassion, and kindness. Each week, I'll share strategies you can take with you to invest in your people in a way that redefines the fabric of your sales organization and your company as a whole. I have an arsenal of tips and tricks up my sleeve and have a decorated sales career to leverage. Let's get started. Welcome to this episode of Heartbeat for Hire. I'm very excited to introduce our guest today, Christina Mendonca. I had the ex- distinct privilege of being interviewed by her a few months ago, so it is such a treat to have her here today. So Christina is an Emmy and Murrow award-winning journalist, reporter, writer, and executive producer. She's the founder of Mendonca Media and director of content for MindMeld Studios. Her reputation for combining a direct approach with a warm interview style has allowed her to secure stories with top newsmakers for 30 years and gain trust of viewers and listeners in California for over two decades. A NorCal native and ABC News contributor, Christina brings her unique brand of reporting to news radio KFBK with a daily feature called Christina Mendonca Reports. Her podcast featuring innovators, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders is called A Fresh Agenda. She also produces a weekly newscast on YouTube called The Shortlist and like a hundred more things. (laughs) Welcome, Christina. We are so happy to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I so enjoyed our conversation. So when you asked me to be on your podcast and jumped at the chance to have another chance to just chat with you and get to know you even more. I love it. Yeah, we I think we could have gone on for like hours. We were having so much fun. So um, I expect the same today. It'll be great. So can you give folks a little bit of background on how you landed where you are today and just, you know, how you thought journalism was the path for you and just some background? Sure, sure. So I grew up in Northern California. I was born in the Bay Area and uh, moved up to the Sacramento area as a young child. I always loved to tell stories. And uh, my mom used to say to me, I, I would go on and on with stories, you know, from school or from whatever my mom would say, whatever you do, girl, when you grow up, you need to have a job where you're talking. <laughs> because you want to talk a lot. Uh, and, uh, and, and I always loved putting together um, uh, productions. I didn't even know I was doing it as a kid. I, you know, with my Barbies or my toys, I would build out these stories and I'd, I'd, uh, I'd block out camera shots and I mean, the whole, the whole nine. So yeah, it, it was, um, storytelling was always a part of my life. I wrote uh, prolifically love to write, still do write creatively. And so I knew storytelling was going to be something I pursued in some way. Uh, And I I started doing that in high school. I got a job at a community newspaper. I worked for a guy who was a longtime journalist and uh, really just, um, uh, I mean, he would mark up my copy and really harshly critique me, which is exactly what you need when you're first Mm. starting out. And you need not to be get personal about it. And I never did. I, I always knew he was trying to make me better. Mm-hmm. So I did that. I wrote for newspapers in high school and part of college. 
But when I uh, graduated college, um, I came from a background where I knew uh, paying for a very expensive university was not going to be in the cards. Mm. So I thought, okay, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to choose a different path. I'm going to go to community college first, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to try to get experience so that when I graduate college, I have not only a degree, but I have some experience. Mm. And that proved to be a very smart path for me. So that's exactly what I did. It took me about eight years to get through college because I I worked uh, my way through. Mm -hmm. But in that eight years, I also started working at different radio stations. I moved on to television at that time. So by the time I graduated high school, I had my first main anchor position in a top 20 market. So it all worked out well for me. Wow. And, and I, and I loved that I did it that way. Um, And uh, so I started working for ABC in the Sacramento area. Uh, in 1995, end of 1995, I had previously worked at television stations in Denver. Um, I had done freelance reporting for stations in San Francisco. And so I got my first main anchor job. I had been a morning anchor in Denver, but my first main anchor job in Sacramento. And I spent uh, 20 years there and absolutely uh, loved it all 20 years. I, I felt challenged. Uh, I stayed up with my investigative reporting. So I was able to do that mm. and, and loved it. And then at the end of 20 years, I had a transition, which I'm sure we'll get into mm-hmm. and started my business. Uh, and uh, then a few years into my business, which is mainly narrative marketing, I had the opportunity to go back into more mainstream journalism with this job at KFBK News Radio. And so I spend four hours every morning, 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. with my co-anchor, Sam Shane, and we do a news talk for four hours. And it is a wild ride every day. <laughs> they pretty I much bet. drop the stuff off at our doorstep. <laughs> I mean, four hours is a lot of time. And yeah. granted, there's a lot of news, but that's a lot of time to fill and the energy it may, you need to maintain. Like, that's a lot. I, it is I a lot. Did, so. I did four podcasts yesterday and I was about to jump, throw myself off the bridge. (laughs) I can't imagine four hours, but you've got the chops. You've got the skills to do it. That's it's fun. It's actually really fun. So my co-anchor was also in television Mm. formerly. Mm. So together uh, we build out that show with our executive producer every day. And we, we build it. We, we uh, build the plane as we fly it every Mm -hmm. day. So it's an exciting form of journalism uh, to be doing that and then be able to focus on my clients after I get off the air. Well, you, you hit on something a moment ago and that was feedback and feedback is, is such a tricky thing for some people because if it's not delivered in the right way, it can be very, um, polarizing and it can be very combative. And if it's not received in the right way, you miss the message. So you said that you were getting feedback and it made you better. How did you know that that's what it was? Because it was harsh. You know, I think a lot of it has to do with how your parents approach it as a child. Uh, I think you're taught that either feedback means um, you're no good if you get negative feedback or you're taught feedback can make you better. You know, when, when something uh, bad happens in your life, you can choose to have it make you weaker or make you stronger. So true. And, and I think, you know, that's something that parents often teach kids early on. And, and I was taught, you know, criticism is good. It's going to make you, it's going to make you better at whatever yeah. you're doing. 
Well, um, it's, you probably weren't getting the, well, would you rather I wasn't honest? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That's not the best right. feedback. So you've had some incredible guests like Jay Leno and Cheryl Strayed and Suzanne Summers. Who are some of your favorites and why? Well, you know, it's, it's been interesting. So we did a fresh agenda, the podcast for several years, and then we recently changed the name of it to the power profile, because I really wanted to focus in on issues of leadership Mm. and, and power coming into your power after the pandemic. Um, But in the past, I mean, some of my favorite guests, Jay Leno was absolutely lovely. I mean, a a lovely guy, he, uh, a plane ride, um, a, a delayed plane had kept him from reaching his destination for our interview. Um, by hours, but he was so gracious, even though it was going to crunch his schedule. Uh, he made the time for me and, and just a, a really nice person. Um, I think Suzanne Summers is, uh, I mean, she's just an inspiration the way she has lived her life and the positivity that she exudes despite some you know difficult things that have happened to her. So I, I really enjoyed talking to her. Um, Cheryl Strait, I mean, it's well known uh, that author has had some difficulties in life. And and she also maintains uh, maybe not so much more of a realist, um, less, you know, uh, poly positive attitude than like a Suzanne Summers, but also Mm. um, used all of her grief in her life and her difficulty, poured it into her writing and used it to help make her stronger. So those were some of my favorite guests. I also really liked Lee Steinberg, the uh, Mm. super agent. Uh, He also has had some difficulty. He um, it's a very well documented. He's talked about it publicly about his um, fight with alcoholism and, you know, how he got through that. And uh, what he tries to do for a lot of these NFL and NBA players that he represents, you know, getting them uh, beyond the fame and fortune to um, a a deeper purpose in life. So Mm. he also is very inspirational. I love that. And with those incredible people, they've probably shared some pretty amazing uh, conversations and perspectives on leadership, and you have some of your own. Um, can you share some of your golden nuggets of maybe the best qualities of being a leader? Uh, I think, you know, I studied leadership and different kinds of leadership, and I say I most closely align with the service leadership. Mm. I think that's, um, I mean, you know, it's talked about quite a bit, but, you know, it's the, it's the principal who is out there directing traffic and, and helping students versus the one that's sitting in their office every day. It's, uh, it's the, the corporate leader that understands that their role is to clear the path for their employees. Not obstacles. throw obstacles in the way. Mm. So that's the type of leader that I've aspired to be. That's in newsrooms. It's the type of leader I aspired to be for uh, young reporters and other anchors um, to be a source of inspiration, to clear the path and help them be the best they can be. And then, you know, any help that they need along the way, always make sure, you know, you have that open door policy and you have that um, that willingness to, to take time out of your day, knowing you're not going to get anything from it, then, but helping them be better at what they do. Oh, we talk about that a lot. And that's, you know, checking people and seeing where they are, meeting them where they are and, right. and asking, you know, what do you need to be successful? And I think the best leaders check in with their people. They, they want to make sure they've got the recipe for success and, you know, I, I like to say they push the broom. Right. Um, and and I know that you're probably well familiar with Simon Sinek, you know, yes, creating that circle of safety, that circle yes. of safety for, for people. I mean, that's when 
they they do their best work. And That's they right. I say that all work. the time. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, when you create that psychological safety for people to be their best and they they feel I just had this experience yesterday. I was interviewing this amazing woman and she ended up crying on my podcast. We were both crying because her story was just so powerful. And she just said, you made me feel so safe. I felt like I could tell this story. And it was the best compliment I could ever receive. I, I just was yeah. so honored that, that she said that. So I want to pivot a little bit and okay. talk about mid-career transitions, because I know that's a big focus for you and share your experience and why, why focus on that. Okay. Um, yeah. So I um, was, as I um, when I made my career transition, I was um, an anchor of, mm. I did five, six and 11 PM news on the ABC station in Northern California. And it was a great career. I had um, like a few years before gone back to school to get my master's degree. Just um, I needed a new challenge. Mm. And I, I felt like, you know, after doing it for 20 years, I was ready for some sort of new challenge, but I really didn't have it all planned out, you know, figured out exactly what I was going to do. And our company, it was a, na a nationwide network, not ABC, but the company that owned like 45 stations across the mm -hmm. country, um, decided to go a different direction with a lot of their uh, stations. They mm -hmm. wanted to try to draw in a uh, younger um, like, um, you know, young millennial or Gen Z kind of viewer. Mm -hmm. So I was part of a huge process of laying off longtime anchors. So it was myself and my co-anchor and we were both laid off at the same time, um, or, or, or not laid off, but told your contract, you know, when, when it's up, you won't be renewed. And I always knew that day would come because, yes. you know, when you sit in that anchor chair, you're leasing it. I mean, you, you don't own it. So yes. Uh, despite my long time relationship with the viewers and uh, what I felt like was a, a good reputation that I mm -hmm. built in the area, um, you know, I knew eventually it would happen and it did. So I thought to myself, okay, well, I have a few months here of a runway. What am I going to do? And uh, yeah, I thought about teaching, you know, maybe teaching at the university level. I certainly had enough years and, and sure. degrees to do that. Uh, and I thought about, well, that, what is, is that really going to help? Uh, spark my creative fire. And mm -hmm. I thought, no, you know, not at this point in my career. Mm -hmm. So I decided to start my own business. And I did so on the advice of a couple of friends of mine who were CEOs who said, you know, it's, it's so hard for really good companies to get airtime anymore. There just isn't a lot of free media available these days for companies mm -hmm. doing good things. Stations don't have the personnel to do those kinds of, um, you know, evergreen stories anymore. They don't have the time. Um, they, you know, they, they need the clicks as well for their websites. And a lot of those really um, important, but and interesting stories about businesses aren't getting clicks. So they don't do them. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, okay, I can use my skills and do that. I, I certainly am capable of, um, of putting together and producing really good stories. I'd won a couple of Emmys and a couple of boroughs for doing it. So I started in on that path and I went to work for a local chamber of commerce and they were my first client and we produced three seasons of basically a show about, uh, about the city and all of the different businesses that had come into the city, a group of oh, Silicon cool. Valley investors financed that first, um, those first few seasons and that became my first client. And from there, uh, because I had uh, a well-known name in the area and I had a good reputation and these stories turned out well, 
uh, I kind of rolled from there and my business took off and it's been, gosh, gosh, since 2017 that I've been doing it. And, and it's really satisfying. It's so satisfying to take these corporate stories that, that people have. I mean, these corporations have history and they have, uh, you know, every corporation has like royalty within the corporation and things that have happened and, and, you know, crisis points and things that they have overcome. So there's a lot of drama and and fun in those corporate stories. So now I get to tell those and it's so satisfying. I love it. I love that. And you're you're right. These stories don't get told enough. And, you know, you see it in like glimpses of shows like Undercover Boss, where they kind of show the inner, you know, inner workings of what a CEO's intentions are, what's wrong with the company and how to fix it. But it's never, at least not over here, it's not often done where it's tied back to the community and why it's important to the community. And I just love that you do that. I think that's so smart. Thank you. I I love it. I love doing it. I mean, I love working for these companies and really showing their customers, you know, here's where this company can exist in your world and why it does and what they've done and what their history is. Because people, when they do business with companies, they want to know the origin story. They want to know. I agree. I agree. And, you know, you talked about you know, not getting your contract renewed. And, you know, I've experienced this too, where you unexpectedly get fired or you get canceled or you, you know, you're, you are forced, a a change is forced upon you and how you rise up is so important, but you are a testament to, it was a gift because you're doing your life with purpose. You're doing the career you chose and you're doing it with grace and tons of success. It's, Thank it's you. brilliant. I mean, you know, I won't say it wasn't difficult. It's not, it's not, um, it's not easy not to take things like that personally. Right. I mean, so there was a, an element of that, but I remember my last night on the job and it was, I was doing my very last 11 PM newscast. And I thought to myself, I'm going to be so sad this weekend. I'm probably mm-hmm. going to you know, need to just take some time and um, stay inside and, and just allow myself to be sad. And I went on a hike with my husband the next day and I kept saying to him, I'm confused. I don't understand why I'm not sad. Mm. I should be, I should be really like crushed by this. <laughs> well, yeah. oh, what's happening? Why am I not sad? And it bothered me because I thought, well, why, I don't seem to be reacting emotionally in the yeah. way that I expected. And I, and I didn't like that. And I, and I thought of on it for a few days and I had a conversation with a friend of mine who had also recently gotten out of the business. And he said to me, Christina, you're not sad because that place did not align with your values anymore. And it's like, it's something off your shoulders. You don't have to carry the water and the weight of a place that no longer fit what your core values are. And I I thought that's gotta be it. That's gotta be it. So, I mean, it, it, it was a really interesting confusing and then clarifying time. Mm. It's such a good lesson for, for women and anybody facing, you know, that, that doom and gloom of, um, I I was coaching a woman recently and her, there's new leadership in the company and the, they basically said they were going to do one thing. They did the complete opposite and she was leading a really big organization and she was faced with do I lie to my leaders and tell them I think what they're doing is fine or do I fight it? 
Or do I lie to my people and say what they're doing is fine? I'm like, so you've completely compromised your values. Right. How long can you stay? And it's true. It's, it's true. Just, uh, and, and I had felt that way. I mean, I went back and got my master's degree. I saw the way the company was going. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the brand of journalism that I had aspired to do that I had been doing for two decades. So I knew a change was coming. Yeah. It was just jarring in the way that it came. But then I realized, well, you know, maybe it couldn't have come any other way. Mm. Well, you also, you hit on a point too. There is no such thing as job security. And oh. I think people are starting to realize that now. So this takes me back to the whole branding thing and personal branding and how are you being perceived by the world? And for, for me, I had to make this pivot. You know, I was in corporate for 25 years and all of a sudden I'm out on my own. What, what's the legacy I want people to know about me? And, you know, you do that really well. And by living with your intention and purpose, you're putting out there exactly what you want people to see. And I just think it's great. Thank you. I feel like social media is a blessing and a curse, right? And it's especially for people in the broadcast space, the only connection that they had with their viewers and listeners was over the airwaves. Right. Now, through social media, you have, you know, multiple platforms to reach people, to uh, grow your reputation, right. to grow your thought leadership um, in, in a space that's totally separate from what your sponsored work that you do through a new station. So I feel like social media was a blessing. It was a blessing for me personally, mm-hmm. in that I could build in that space. I mean, I, after I left the station, I did a 20 minute newscast every week, just online, just online. And got a bunch of viewers that came over from the station that had seen me. And so I tell other broadcast journalists that that space, that that those airwaves that you have that are on social Mm. are precious. Don't waste them with bikini shots. (laughs) You know, make sure that they matter. Make sure that that you are giving you're you're giving the people your authentic self online. Don't waste it. Oh, it's so true. And, you know, my, my daughter, I have 14 year old twins and my daughter is, is struggling with mom. I don't like that. You know, you're, you're everywhere now. <laughs> she goes, I mean, if you're going to share something about me, everyone's going to see it. I'm like, well, I'm very selective about what I share about you. And I have, you know, a more private way to do that, but it's funny to watch, you know, this teenager starting to figure out social media for herself and then watching, you know, and I know you have a daughter, so she's probably used to you being in the spotlight, but that's got to shape the way she views how this all works. You know, I have two daughters and Mm -hmm. um, one is 25. She just turned 25 yesterday. And uh, one is uh, 21. She just turned 21 in July. And when they were younger, I was very protective of them. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, sometimes the station would want like these family pictures. Sure. And, and I was always kind of concerned um, because television stations, you know, often the yeah, honor you know, talent, kind of you know, all kinds of craziness. But uh, so I was very protective of them. Now that they're adults, um, our older, my older daughter actually does work for my company. So oh. she's a spokesperson for a couple of my clients um, through their socials. And it's, uh, it's been really fun to work with her. And I've, I learn a lot from her all the time yeah. because she's actually, she is a, um, an account executive for a media company in Australia. Yes. So 
we we work a lot together and then our younger daughter is um, the drummer of um, a signed rock band so nice. she also is very much um on social media and i love to her how she's marketing her band and wow. um, as they make their move to nashville and release their album and all of that so oh my gosh both of my girls are really um, um media wise but when they were younger uh, I was very careful about what I would show or tell about them. Yeah, I, I can appreciate that. Um, you know, you, you hit on this uh, knowledge shift of, you know, gone are the days where you can say, I've been doing it this way for 20 years. Oh, you know, yeah. That, that isn't that valuable anymore. I mean, yes, you've got legacy because you've been doing something for a long period of time, but now it's been such a massive shift in terms of the playing field is way more level than it ever was. And you could have, I, I talked to someone yesterday, she's a self-made millennial. She's got millions of followers and, you know, she figured it out on her own. She didn't have some person that's been doing this for 20 years to teach her and right. she made this herself. And I love learning from those folks. I love yeah. it. I absolutely love it. I think um, it's it's amazing to me. First of all, you have to always have an open mind and keep yeah. learning. I remember uh, when I worked at the TV station, like it was about 10 years before I left, uh, the uh, the station went through this process where they were trying to teach us a bunch of technology. So uh, they went to something called an MMJ model where mm. reporters went out, shot their own stuff. They edited their own stuff. Whereas in the past, they always had photographers with them to do that. And I remember this one anchor saying, um, I'm not going to do that. I haven't done that for 30 years. I am not going to do that. Um, well, that person was not at the station a couple of no. years. I mean, you have to be willing to embrace the new and mm. learn from whoever. I don't care if they're, you feel like they're subordinate. You have to be willing to learn. Yeah. And, and that, have, that open-mindedness is going to give you so much security and so many more tools. And, well, and, and I feel like I, I will never stop learning. I was telling you before our interview started, I'm using this new gadget, the center cam thing. And, uh, and it's something I'm always buying new gadgets to try them out, to take a look at them, to try to learn about what new technology exists. Yeah. Uh, how can I use it to, to, uh, how can I fold it into my workflow? And no matter what you are, or what you're doing, you have to be willing to learn. I agree. And, you know, to those leaders that think you have it all figured out, um, I say this a lot. When was the last time you took a class? When was the last time you sharpened your skills? When was the last time you hired a coach? Because everything around you has evolved. And yeah. if you are not evolving, you're becoming a fossil. You, yeah. you, you, you just can't become more expensive anymore. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's really it's really something. Okay. So you do some coaching, some executives, some media, some political talk a little bit about that. That has uh, been so fun. So I've, I've coached journalists for years, um, yeah. on-air journalists, reporters, anchors, uh, even producers. And, and that's been happening uh, since I started my business recently, I branched out and I'm doing more, uh, more coaching for politicians, which oh. has been really interesting because a lot of the same rules apply. Sure. They, they want to know about media and dealing with media and, um, you know, 
just the aesthetics of being on air, how to know whether or not it's a great, sh a good shot, if they're being seen in the best light, all of that. So I work with some politicians on both sides of the aisle um, when it comes to that. And then I also do something called a power profile. And this is something that I've started that's brand new. Yeah. And I absolutely love it. This is where I talk to corporate executives and we do kind of a deep dive on their leadership. Yeah. And this is important because a lot of times uh, leaders of corporations, their people don't know them that well. They don't know what motivates their mm. leader. Perhaps. This is a great way to uh, do kind of a mini documentary. And the leaders use it for lots of things. Sometimes they've written books and, and they want like introduction for books to get on cable yeah. shows. This helps introduce who they are and their thought leadership. A lot of times they uh, want to, uh, with their thought leadership, cross industry. So maybe they're in the construction industry, but they really want to be speaking to a wider audience of people um, on some of their ideas for, for leadership. So this helps them cross industries. Sometimes they use it before big speeches or conferences to kind of introduce them so that the, uh, the audience is warmed up and ready for the message. So it's been really fun. They're about five to seven minutes long, and it gives me the chance to do what I love to do best, which is really dig into someone's, um, someone's perspective and their life and tell a story about them that informs the world about their leadership. Well, I, I loved being on your power profile. I thought it was so much fun and you have such a way of kind of harnessing all of the good stuff. So that voice is really um, amplified and you're, you're very good at what you do. I don't need to tell you that, but it's, well, it's really you. fun to listen to. You've done such a good job with it. And so you've, you've had some great leaders on. Mm -hmm. What are some of the observations you've had about, you know, how they've led and good and bad? Right. You know, uh, I think the with the, with the Power Profile podcast, I really get a chance to kind of dig in on um, in listening to a podcast. As you know, it's a, it's more of an intimate experience. Yeah. Usually you're listening to it by yourself. It's the same reason I love radio. So usually you're listening to it by yourself. You can really kind of digest. Yeah. And then with the power profiles that we do, the mini documentaries, those projects are more video-based mm. and give people kind of an overview of the leadership style. So it's really, a, it's two separate things. So I've got the, the podcast and yeah. then the video projects, but they are, they're both so fun. And usually when I do my power profile podcast with someone, then it really teases up to work well, well together on putting together these video documentaries. Oh, so smart. So smart. So I know you've traveled extensively. How has that shaped the way that you work? Because you're exposed to a lot of different culture, a lot of different views. And how do you, how do you merge that into your everyday? But I, you know, it's funny when I, um, most of the travel I did until about the age of 35 was for work. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'd fly in and out of areas and you don't really get a chance to know them that well, just for the stories that you're doing. Um, but I went to unusual areas. It, it, they weren't trips to Europe. It was like, you know, a trip to, you know, the Middle East, <laughs> you know, so where, where we were doing uh, stories on anti-terrorism and, sure. and that kind of thing. So the, those, that was the majority of my travel or down to the border, you know, where mm. you're spending time with um, border patrol and uh, and following them as they you know try to protect the nation so um, a lot of the travel I did was really work-based and journalism based for a while more recently I've been traveling more for pleasure just took a, a trip to Greece spent a few weeks in Greece this summer and and that's interesting too because there I, I meet people 
And I actually picked up a client while I was in Greece. That's awesome. A, a yachting organization that we did some video work for. So that's been a lot of fun. And I, I look forward now, you know, being an empty nester uh, and uh, and getting to to take some more of those pleasure trips with my husband. I'm, I'm looking more for that, looking forward to that. So work is great. I'll pick up a client, you know, anywhere we go because I, I love working with people and I'm great. always interested in people and somehow manage to strike up these conversations that my husband's like, are we going to go to dinner? <laughs> but, uh, but looking forward to really traveling more for pleasure. I love that. Well, it doesn't hurt that your daughter's in Australia. I mean, that gives you a, yeah, we're actually going, we're going to take our first trip there um, oh, for Christmas. Never been to Australia. She's lived there five years. Uh, she's loves it. There is going to stay there. Um, but we had our first trip planned in 2020 and we all knew, you know, what happened then the world blew up. Yeah. So. Of course, of course. Um, so you hinted a little bit at this, but how has the work landscape changed of you as you've seen it for women over the last few years? I think um, I think 2000 as of 2019, it was really um, it was really looking up. I felt like there was more um, pay equity. Um, and I felt like women were being, um, you know, in a lot more boardrooms. I think it was really looking up. I think 2020 really hit women hard. Mm. Uh, I think, uh, a lot of women became much more concerned as they should be with what was going on with their kids in school. Yeah. And a lot of women had to take, you know, a break. Um, either for self-care or for care of their children um, yeah. to make sure that the kids and the family was okay um, while their spouse or significant other, you know, really had to focus on keeping the family's finances afloat. Mm -hmm. So I do feel like it was a hit for women um, in particular because of the whole child rearing issue and just making sure with schools closed that kids yeah. were getting what they needed or, you know, or, or taking a step back in their own careers because maybe they couldn't be gone from home as long during the day. There wasn't people, there weren't people there. I mean, childcare yeah. shut down, everything shut down. So right. I think it was a hit for women. Do you feel like it's bounced back since then? I think it can and will. I think, um, you know, a lot more people are, are demanding hybrid work schedules. I think the other thing that's come out of this is, and I think it's disturbing to a lot of CEOs that people don't want to come back into the office full time. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I truly believe that being in an office space is good for your career. That FaceTime your, uh, with your boss, I think it's important. Um, but I understand the concerns of people who are saying, you know, I don't want to do it that way anymore. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I can, I can be as productive as I need to be from home. Um, and people are, are looking more for that balance. So it's a struggle that I think we're going to be seeing for quite some time. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think the work from home is here to stay and there's going to have to be some variable of, yes, you can come in when it's, you know, intentional. And when we have the time to devote to that. Um, but I think it's what I'm seeing anyway, that people are demanding more flexibility and, yes. you know, companies will take as much as you give and people have to be really purposeful with their, um, their boundaries and, and how much they're, how much time they're willing to give. I know I was super guilty during the pandemic of like not shutting down, not turning off and your days just blurred into each other. Cause you had no commute <laughs> like you, it's so true. End of the day. It just kept yeah. going. 
And uh, my uh, oldest daughter, the one that lives in Australia, who's 25 and she works for a very competitive media company. Um, I've asked her, you know, what is it? Uh, why do you want to live there forever? Like she wants to stay. She's like, yeah. I'm going to become a citizen. I love, I love Australia. And, and she said, you know, mom, she said, for me, it's a, it's a work-life balance that I don't know if that's achievable in the United States. Yeah. I mean, she was just here for almost a month of uh, vacation. I mean, that's like not heard of very much in corporate culture here in the United States. And she said, I just feel like there's much more of a balance. And I think American workers are struggling for for that balance. I agree. And you and I talked about this on Mm -hmm. on, um, the Power Profile, just the, um, the struggle with loyalty. Like you know, people don't feel like companies are loyal to them and companies don't feel like people are loyal to them. Yeah. And, you know, what, where did those chains of loyalty break and mm. what can we do as owners of companies or employees to rebuild those? Well, it, it comes from leadership and it comes from creating that environment of trust. And if you don't take the time to do it and you don't offer your people community collaboration and purpose, yeah. it's just a job. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And it's a job that, you know, a lot of people are like, okay, we used to call it in the news business flying below the radar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just a job. Yep. Yeah. They're not going to give you their best. They're right. not going to rise up. They're going right. to mail it in. They're going to get it done bare minimum yeah. and just move on. Right. And that's a sad environment to work in. And for those people that have never experienced a great leader, I feel badly for them because the ones that have know the possible and know what it can be. And I hate when I hear I've never had a good leader and, Uh, you know, they they don't believe the things that I'm saying because they've never experienced it. And when I show them, no, no, this is how it's supposed to be. This is how they're supposed to talk to you. This is how you're supposed to receive feedback. It's like, really? Wow. That sounds like unicorns. I don't know. Yeah. Wow. yeah. TV stations are known for having high turnover of like news directors yeah. and general managers. And when I was at um, the TV station I was at, I had in the course of my 20 years there, I had seven news directors and 10 general managers. So I got to see a lot of different kinds of leadership styles. Yeah. And, you know, as a leader, I can tell you when your best employees go silent, you have a huge problem. I just did a post about that today. Oh, you did. Okay. Today. Yeah. I, I, I said those words. I said, if your chattiest person has gone quiet, you should be concerned and you yeah. need to find out why, right. because something's wrong. Yeah. So yeah. Mm. So oh, I know check out that post. that's, that's, it's a great concept. <laughs> True. Thanks. Um, I know you're an avid hiker and how has hiking helped you with your work-life balance, your work in general, your perspective on life? Oh my gosh. So my husband and I have these trails near our home and, you know, through our almost 30 year marriage, there've been times where he's going through a rough time or I'm going through a rough time. And, um, and and we get out there and I think we've worn holes (laughs) in some of those trails. It is our way to recharge, especially if we can get out into something green. We love to hike up on the, um, the Northern Oregon coast. Mm. That coastline is the most beautiful hiking I think in the world. And we've hiked a lot of different places. So uh, I, I think it's, there's something about being in nature that hits the reset button, Agreed. at least for me. And I know a lot of people, you know, one of my favorite questions I ask every guest on my podcast is how do you recharge your creative batteries? Right. Uh, that's the way I recharge mine. 
and make sure I get out on a hike, whether it's just even through the neighborhood or, or if we can take a longer trip and get out into nature and somewhere beautiful. Mm. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's just, um, you know, they call it um, forest bathing. Mm. I've heard that term yes. before. Yeah. Shinjuku, it's uh, a Japanese term for forest bathing. Yeah. And it is, um, it's basically that, that reset that you get when you're out in nature. Uh, we were just in Montana in July and we were in Big Sky and there was a hike around the corner from our house. It was by far the most beautiful hike I have ever been on. And if, if you need a tip of where to go, I'm glad to share it, but I love was, it. Yes. If you have, you been to Montana? I've not been to Montana. Ugh, you didn't see any bears, did you? <laughs> thankfully, no, but I learned an awful lot about bear spray. Right. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. So no, I didn't, I didn't. Um, and okay. So one of the things you talk a lot about is gratitude and I want to understand why that's such an important fundamental to you. Gratitude is, um, I, I don't know how else to say it, it's magic. It is, it just is. Um, a lot of people say, well, you know, it's a, it's a reframing maybe of things that aren't going so well, but you, you can always find something in your life to be grateful for. And my husband and I have talked about this, um, even in like the hardest times professionally um, for he and I, if, if we found something to be grateful for, something good would happen. I, I don't know why it happens. It's well, like a focus off the bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when we, when we have found a, a place to uh, approach our lives, even in the toughest times through gratitude, uh, it's, it's amazing the, the good that bounces back when you put that out into the world. Um, it, it makes you ready and open for good things to come to you. And, um, and it works. Oh, it does. I love that. I love that. Okay. So I got a big question for you. Okay. What would you, what would you like your legacy to be? I think professionally, I'd like to be known as um, someone with integrity and credibility, uh, someone who inspired others. And I think personally, I want to be remembered as a really good mom and um and a perfect partner in life to my husband well i think you're on your way to that so <laughs> congratulations every day <laughs> congratulations so christina how can people find you very easy to do you can even just google my name and up will pop a bunch of stuff uh, most of it having to do with broadcast but my website will be there my website is mendonsamedia.com so that's probably the best place to reach out to me i have a newsletter you can sign up for and then we can yes. maintain some contact once a month uh, i don't put out a lot of newsletters but when i have something to say that i think is useful i do i'm um, also on social media i'm at c uh, mendonsa on instagram i'm probably most active on instagram mm -hmm. I, I do tweet occasionally, um, and, uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm on Facebook and, and LinkedIn as well, but I'm probably most active on Instagram and yeah, I would love for people to reach out and say, hi, uh, I, I love your content. I, I followed you through Greece and it was really fun to see all the pictures. Oh, and, thank you. Yeah, so thank it's, you. it's, you put out some great stuff and I am just so grateful that you were a guest today and um, thank you for sharing your perspective on life and work and the world. Um, it's been so, so lovely to listen. 
Lindsay, thank you so much. I mean, I know we have a mutual friend in there. And I remember when you were going to be on the podcast, this mutual friend said, oh my God, you will love her. You'll love her. And they were right. So yeah, thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Heartbeat for Hire. Stay tuned for more. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Heartbeat for Hire. If you like what you hear, I'd love it if you'd subscribe and leave a five-star review. To keep the conversation going, you can find me on Insta or at LinkedIn at Lindsay Dowd, H4H, or you can reach me at my website, heartbeatforhire.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day.